0: Welcome to ACC Stars. Where are they now? I'm Erin Summers. I'm a sports broadcaster that's covered the Atlantic Coast Conference for a very long time, and I grew up a fan. I've always been curious what players do after we obsess over them in college. This podcast answers that question. Each week, you'll hear an interview with a former ACC athlete. We'll find out everything they've been doing since playing in college. Thanks for listening. Let's jump in to ACC Stars. Where are they now? This week, I'm joined by former NC State guard C.J. Williams. Williams attended NC State from 2008 to 2012. Things really started to click for him his senior season. He averaged 10.5 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal a game. He shot 50% from the floor and started all 37 games for the Wolfpack. He's an incredible story. He's played all over the place, across the world, and a lot of stops in the NBA. Here's our conversation. CJ, thank you so much for joining me today. It's so good to see you again. It's been so long since I covered you in college, not to date either of us, (laughs) but how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I'm living here in Greensboro now and uh, just trying to stay safe in this crazy time. Um, You know, I'm hoping everybody out there is staying safe as well. Um, Just trying to do my part to kind of slow the spread of this virus and everything.
0: That's awesome. I know you were just recently playing in the G League before all of this happened. Coronavirus, the pandemic. You being in New York, around one of the hotspots. What happened over you know the past several months for you?
1: Um. So once we, when all of this stuff actually hit in the U.S., we were actually on the road in Chicago, and we had a game the next day against the Windy City Bulls. Um. So we're actually at dinner. We had a team dinner, like, just the players and stuff like that, and just trying to bond a little bit because we were in the middle of, like, trying to make the playoffs and stuff. So – and we are sitting there, and it's it's ironic because it's the first time that we all were together, and we all – like, all the veterans, we were like, look, everybody take your phone and put your phone in the middle of the table. Nobody touch it. The first person to touch their phone has to pay for the entire meal. (laughs) So (laughs) – we're going through that. So we, it was a great dinner, like so much fun. Everybody started talking. We had like little mini arguments about basketball, all kinds of stuff. And then when the dinner ends, I obviously go grab my phone first. I'm the vet. So I was like, all right, we, what a couple of the veterans, we had already decided we were going to split the deal. Um, so I grab my phone and I'm looking at him and he says, you uh, Utah and OKC is canceled. And we're like, wait, what? And so with, everything that happened from that point it was just you know we had meetings in chicago in the in the meeting room in the hotel and they were just kind of telling us what's going on and what they what they knew at that point so we ended up obviously canceling our game we came back to new york and being in new york it time just we we were just waiting cuz nobody knew anything and then um well we <laughs> ended up going home, and since then, you know, they've canceled last season, um, the end of last season, and then they're not sure about where they're going now. I mean, I'm hearing some rumors about things, but um, I don't believe anything until it's solidified and everything. But, uh, yeah, so pretty much I've been just staying home. Um, Didn't work out for a while because it was just unsafe. Um, I'm back to working out again and preparing for next season.
0: I think it's going to take a little while for all of us to kind of get back to our normal routines. But let's take it back to before all of this, even before college, what was it about basketball that got you so involved in the sport early on and and that made you decide that that's what you wanted to do?
1: Um, Well, growing up, I'm from Fayetteville, North Carolina, and and growing up in Fayetteville, you know, you watch the ACC. The ACC is kind of like, your it was almost at that time the nba wasn't as popular yet so it was more of oh who's your college team and I well especially
0: some, around here i mean if yeah nc state duke carolina acc you gotta pick somebody
1: yeah and um unfortunately i have to admit i grew up a carolina fan um <laughs> i know my nc state people out there probably are gonna kill me for this but i did grow up a carolina fan um I loved, love, love, love Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is and always will be my favorite player, um, and so I idolized him and wanted to mimic him as much as possible. And then Vince came in, and and these guys, and uh, Raymond Felton, and all those guys, all the way up until there. And then when it when it got time for me to choose a school, um, I wanted to go somewhere that fit me. And uh, that's kind of how I ended up at state. But I just knew—I knew from early on, about four years old—that I would play basketball. I just—I loved it so much. I love to watch it. I love to study it. I love to play it.
0: How much did you enjoy your time at NC State?
1: Oh man, I loved it at NC State. Man, our fans were amazing. Um, you know, it was rough my first three years, not making a tournament and stuff. You know, having up and down years and stuff like that. But you know especially my senior year, man, getting to the Sweet 16. First off, being the last team announced on the selection show to go to the tournament, to upsetting San Diego State, upsetting Georgetown, taking Kansas to the last possession of the game. It was just – it was an amazing feeling, and and I loved every moment of being at North Carolina State.
0: As a senior, you averaged – Ten and a half points per game, four rebounds, two assists, a steal. I mean, you had really great numbers. You started every single game that season, and as you mentioned, you went pretty far in the NCAA tournament. End up going to a Sweet 16. I was there in St. <laughs> Louis. I was yeah. at that game covering you guys. It was so close. Yeah.
1: Man, yeah.
0: Like playing in in that atmosphere.
1: Uh, I can't even describe it. Um... You know, we were the team that nobody expected to be in the Sweet 16, except for, and I will say this Charles Barkley was covering the NCAA tournament, and he said, Watch out for this NC State team. We had five starters that all averaged 10 points. Two guys, and me and Lorenzo, averaged 35 minutes a game. So it's like, you know, your best player, our best players were on the court at all times. Um, and so, Like, it was – we were very hard to game plan for. Um, Not to go back too much, but I remember earlier in the season, we played um, Syracuse that year, and we we lost. But I had 25 that game. I come out the next game, we're playing St. Bonaventure, and I'm talking about they're full-on denying me the ball. Like, they didn't want me to catch it and everything. But then C.J. Leslie and Lorenzo and Scott got going. So it was one of those things where, you know – it was a pick your poison type thing with our team. And that atmosphere in the NCAA tournament is unmatched in any sporting event I've ever been a part of. Um, It's just the energy that you feel going into the game, knowing you're on national TV, knowing you have an opportunity to advance to the elite eight, you know, and everything. It was just amazing. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. It was a lot of fun to watch you guys. I know Alex Johnson was even on that team and he was somebody Mm -hmm. that you, you never could count out. Um, I think he told me before the game that he had a ritual of eating candy. I think it was Reese's yes. before every game. <laughs> Did yeah. you have any weird ritual or anything that you had in superstition?
1: Um, So I am a video game player. I play them all day, even up to now. And um, what I would do is the day of the game, after a shoot around or before the game or whenever it was, I had to play a game of Madden. I just, I had to play a game of Madden um, either online or even if like it was offline or anything like that. But I had to play a game and I had to play with my San Diego Chargers. You know. Well, LA Chargers now, yes, I see it in the background. <laughs> <laughs> my LA Chargers now. So, um, you know, it was one of those things that it just helped me relax a little bit before the game and mentally kind of bring myself down before I got to the gym.
0: Sure. After that, it was 2012, you, obviously a senior. What were some of the decisions that you had to make knowing that your college career was done?
1: Um, well, I wasn't even sure if I would play professional basketball. Um, you know, my career, I had a great senior year. My first three years were a bit of a struggle. Um, but I just kind of let myself be a college student for a change um for a little bit and i was you know able to focus on school and fin- and making sure i finished my degree because that was that was extremely important to me um you know in my family academics is so important we have teachers we have you know a couple of people that have not been able to get their degree and so i wanted to be able to kind of set a new standard of hey Let's get our degrees. Let's, you know, finish the school and everything. Um, so that was the f- number one thing. Um, secondly, once I started receiving, you know, emails from agents and they're like, we want to meet with you. We think you can play basketball and stuff like that. At that time, I didn't know much about overseas basketball or anything. And so um, I just I sat down and met with them and, and kind of told them what my overall goal was to be and um, it helped me that helped me a lot to make the decision to go with who I went with
0: after school undrafted free agent you decided to go overseas and play for Cyprus mm-hmm. how much of a cultural difference was it what was the adjustment like going and playing basketball overseas?
1: Um, so imagine going to, (laughs) you've been in America your entire life. You've traveled outside of the country, but to just Canada um, at this point. And then you go and you go to a British colony named Cyprus, where they drive on the left side of the road. The steering (laughs) wheel is on the right side of the car. I would, I, I was in a complete culture shock. I didn't know anything about this culture, but I came in with an open mind knowing that I was going there. Um, so, you know, I get there and, you know, the team comes and they pick me up, they put me in the car, you know, they take me to where my apartment was and everything. And, um, luckily enough, this setup I had there, I had a roommate with me and, uh, he was a fellow rookie as well. He he had gone to, uh, Murray State. And, um, so we were there together and, you know, we were able to kind of help each other adjust and and stuff like that, you kind of have, it's almost like having a a ready-made friend when you're in a new country. And that was very important. And and I enjoyed that a lot. And uh, so, you know, after that, it's just about opening up and being honest with the natives of that land, you know, telling them, Hey, like, I don't understand your culture, like teach me. So I actually had uh, my rookie season. I had one of my um, veterans on the team. I said, Hey, teach me one word every day, like just teach me one different word or fra- or even a phrase every day and help me with my numbers because numbers are very important. Um, so, you know, at the end of that year, I was able to actually I wasn't conversational, but I was able to understand when they would talk and kind of like piece together what they're saying and how to respond and stuff like that. And that was that was really cool. So I, I definitely enjoyed my time there as well.
0: Yeah, it's really smart of you to do that. But on the court, you averaged nearly 14 points a game in your first season there. So You did really well. Yeah. How were you able to have so much success just kind of right off the bat?
1: Um, so that summer before I left, um, I went and I was working out in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Um, my agent had set me up to work out with a couple of the trainers and stuff like that. And they just kind of established in my mind, like the the most important thing about playing professional basketball is, is your own confidence in yourself and doing what you know how to do best. And so, um, by the time I got to Cyprus, I was well prepared. Um, I was in great shape and just kind of ready to learn a new style of game while implementing my own style at the same time. And um, I mean, my team they they kind of they kind of essentially ended up being built around me our team and um, and my roommate as well he was I think he was averaging about 11 or 12 points a game as well and you know we were kind of the rookies kind of leading the way and we ended up finishing second and everything but it was all due to just all the work that I had put in before I even got there.
0: From there you spent a little bit of time at some other organizations overseas Uh, you were able to come back to the States and have some time with some NBA teams as well. Just kind of describe the journey that that was kind of going back and forth between, you know, being in France and Italy and then coming back and playing for the NBA for a little while.
1: Um, It is a very stressful thing because, you know, you signed one year deals. So you, you know, you're playing, you essentially, are playing for your next contract. Like you just, you know that this is the way that you're going to make money, how you put food on your table. And so you have to try to prepare yourself every year to be better than you were the year before. Um, You know, going into it, going uh, after Cyprus, I went and I ended up playing in LA. I was with the defenders and and, uh, I had a a great coach in Bob McKinnon, um, a North Carolina guy. um, And, You know, he kind of opened me up to the NBA style of basketball and how, you know, spread out and fast and, and, you know, things like that, like the game was. And so um, that helped me be able to go to summer league that summer and play with the Milwaukee Bucks and uh, Giannis Adetokounmpo and everything. And then I was prepared for my next check in, in Italy. Um, so every year, I just focused on, all right, how do I have success right now so that I can set myself up better for next year? And that's kind of the mindset that you have to every, everywhere. Like, every, no matter where you're playing, even if you do sign a multi year deal, like, you don't want to be great before your deal and then not do so well. And then next team is like, hey, like you're having down years or you want to decline. So um, you just have to mentally. Mentally, physically prepare yourself for that next season. And uh, the summer is is the most important time, in my mind, for a basketball player.
0: So when you were playing in the NBA, you got your first start, um, December 3rd, 2017. You were at Minnesota. When you took the court for the first time as a starter in the NBA, I mean, emotionally, what went through your mind?
1: Um... It was it was crazy. Um the funny thing about it is Doc didn't even know that I was gonna start that game. Um they didn't tell me because you were anything. with
0: LA at that time.
1: Yes, I was with the Clippers. Um mm-hmm. and we get to Minnesota and we're in shoot around. And so Doc says, All right, first group, CJ, you got Jimmy Butler. And I was like, wait, me? <laughs> And at that time, I had been playing a little bit, so I knew I was going to play. But I was like, wait, I'm starting? And then, yeah, I just ended up starting. And we actually – that – I was on a two-way deal then. And we actually started both of our two-way guys, me and Jameel Wilson, that game and and everything. And it was just, oh, man, the first time stepping on the court and, and getting that, you know, Hearing my name announced in the starting lineup and everything, like it was, it was, it was crazy. I didn't. I I was nervous, but not so nervous that I couldn't play. I was nervous, and all right, this is the first NBA start. But as soon as the ball, as soon as tip off occurred, all the nerves went out the window, and my and the game plan was in my head the whole way.
0: You take it back to when you were in college and the people that you played with. If you were you know, talking to NC State fans, they might not say that they thought you would be the guy that has played in the NBA as much as you have in comparison to CJ Leslie, maybe, or some of the other players that you've played with. When you look back at it and you see everything that you've done, I mean, what does that mean to you?
1: It just tells me that you know, I, I'm i doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm in the profession that I'm supposed to be in. And that hard work and dedication and determination all can help you get to whatever goal you want to reach. Um, my My story is one I wouldn't change for the world. You know, yeah, everybody likes to be able to be the young kid drafted and everything. But to come from, you know, averaging less than five points a game my first three years of college to, starting multiple games in one season in the NBA, um, you know, it's, it's amazing. And, it, and for me, it just allows me to have a story to tell other kids to, to, to never give up. Just don't, don't give up on your dream. Set a goal, make a plan, and work at it day in and day out.
0: You've ended up playing 53 games with various NBA teams. Dallas, the Clippers, as you mentioned, you played for Minnesota, and the Brooklyn Nets. What stands out to you along the way? Um, Just the difference, I guess, in playing in college, playing overseas, and just the level that the NBA is.
1: Um, The NBA, everybody is confident in what they do. And everybody knows their job, and they do their job specifically. Um, Nobody tries to get outside. You know, you have your superstars that can do everything. But everybody else, it's like you have a role, and it's designated. That's what you're supposed to do. Be great in your role. And uh, that's the that's the difference between what it was in college, where you're trying to showcase your skills to these professional teams of, hey, I can do this, I can do that. But when you once you're there, they tell you what what they need from you and you just have to be great in your individual role.
0: What kind of advice would you give to other players that that may not be drafted right out of college just to kind of continue to to work hard and, and possibly have a chance to play later?
1: Just understand that just because you don't get drafted, it's not over. Um, there are a lot of guys nowadays that are getting opportunities with the G League and and these two way contracts. And, you know, some some guys they end up going overseas for a couple of years, hone their skills, and come back and make a run at the NBA, which is essentially what I did. Um, so you know, don't be afraid to take a take a risk on yourself. You know, bet on yourself to, to accomplish your dream of playing in the NBA and understand that not being drafted doesn't mean you'll never play in the NBA. It just means you may have to take a little different route than, you know, the average guy.
0: Yeah. And, and going overseas doesn't mean that your opportunity at playing in the NBA is over. You've shown that several times. Um, When I was looking through kind of some of the stuff that you've done, something else that stood out to me is the, sportsmanship award that you won the 2017-2018 season. It's an award that's voted on by all of the other players in the G League at that time. You were with the the Clippers organization and it's something about how you are as a player on the court but also off the court. When you found out that you won that award, how much pride did you take and kind of who have you become as a person?
1: Um, I initially was shocked. I didn't even know that people were voting for me for that. Um, I had voted for a teammate of mine, and I didn't know that. My, I, I found out later, but my whole team had voted for me. And then to find out how many people actually voted for me, it was like, wow, I'm I'm in shock. But you know, it's just it's a it's a credit to my parents. My parents raised me very well, and they helped me establish my morals and everything. Of, you know. Yeah, this is basketball, and you're competing against one another, but you don't have to be mean to each other. Like, you can compete, <laughs> play hard, and but you don't have to, you know, be extra about it. It's just uh, we're all doing a job and stuff like that, and essentially our job is to entertain and, you know, make it fun, enjoy it, play hard, do all of that kind of stuff. But then once the game is over, you know, that doesn't mean your your life is over. You have there's other parts to life than other than basketball as a professional athlete,
0: and a lot of that for you was the community service that you did. Um, you were in Canada at that point. You just kind of talk about some of the um, organizations and stuff you were involved with there.
1: Um, I did a couple things with uh, Habitat uh, for Humanity. Um, I did one other. Oh man, what was the name of the organization? I cannot remember the name. Um, but we would just go out and, and work on, you know, different environmental things. My dad is a, an environmental engineer, and um, I realized how important taking care of the land is and everything. So kind of just helping helping out there randomly and, you know, not even I didn't even have a set schedule. I just kind of would, if we were in a place, if we were traveling and we were in a place and, and there was an opportunity to work, I would do it during the time that we didn't have practice or something. So it was awesome to get that experience as well.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of awesome community service um, opportunities that you took part in giving back to the community. Speaking of uh, community and NC State, Wolfpack fans, they're very passionate. How often do you get back to the Raleigh area and kind of get back to some of those games?
1: Man, I I haven't been able to catch many games. Um, I think I've caught one game towards the end of one season. I cannot remember when. But um, I I really try to get back as much as possible. In the summers, a lot of times, um, before all of this uh, happened, I would drive to Raleigh and work out with the guys, work out with some of the guys on the team and, um, you know, individually, like, kind of help them, you know, teach them some of the things that I've learned in the pro game and help them to be able to get better each day and teach them, hey, like when you're doing this, you have to be specific in your footwork. Or, you know, when you're setting a screen, you want to set a screen to get your teammate open, but essentially it gets you open. And so, you know, it's just the little things that they may hear from a coach and, and it'll resonate. But then when they hear it from, oh, this is CJ telling me this, he's been to the NBA, he's been – overseas he's played at every level that I'm trying to get to and I just hope that it helps them get better each day
0: you sound a little bit like a coach though in the (laughs) way that you're just talking there I mean after basketball is over is that a possibility for you
1: um I wouldn't say it's a possibility I would actually say it's a definite I have known that I wanted to coach um once my career is done I've known that I've actually known I wanted to coach since I was like 10 years old um just some of the coaches that I've had in my life I've seen how they've affected me and that's kind of how I want to be for somebody else you know um I can go back to starting my first coach as my dad um you know as hard as he was on me and as much as I hated it as an eight-year-old kid like oh why do we got to go to the gym again everything but to see where it has gotten me um is just amazing. And then my high school coach, Ike Walker, my college coach, Mark Godfrey, my, you know, professional coach, Bob McKinnon, all these guys, the effect that they had on me shows in my everyday life. And that's the kind of thing that I want to be able to do for someone else. Because for me, you never know who you can help, even if, and you may not know that you're helping that person. But, you know, I think that coaching is definitely something that I want to do. and, and I play basketball all the time in my mind and, and everything, and so I have so much knowledge that I want to feed to other people.
0: Do you have any idea where that would start? Would it be high school college
1: um i I don't know um I wouldn't mind working at the college level. um I think my ultimate goal coaching would be to be a professional coach, be an n b a coach um but you know. it's something that it it would take some time to get to that point and everything. And I've honestly been trying to network a little bit as well as my careers, you know, coming closer to an end. Um, I've been kind of focusing on, you know, networking and getting to know people in the NBA and being able to, you know, create relationships with those guys so that, you know, maybe I'll, I'll get an opportunity later.
0: That's awesome. At every level that you've played at, I'm sure you've come across some really impressive basketball players. Anybody that's really stood out to you, whether just from their ability or their basketball mind?
1: Um, I ability-wise, I would say that when I was able to watch LeBron James in person, it was
0: It's so weird. Everybody always oh says yeah. that
1: it's it's unreal like he's yeah. just to be as big as he is to move as fluidly as he does and the basketball mind that he has um just the ability to pass to see the next play he we as basketball players try to see the next play it seems like he sees the third play ahead and it's just it's ridiculous to me but um just seeing his him he's just oh it was ridiculous just to watch him and see what he was able to do
0: over the next couple of months you said you're unsure of kind of what lies ahead with the g league you've been with the long island nets most recently you have any idea of whether you'll continue with them or are you kind of open to other opportunities
1: um i'm open to other opportunities but i've also been in talks with them as well you know once they figure out exactly what they're going to do with the old g League. Um, it's a possibility that I could go back there, but um, I've received a few offers over in Europe and I, I haven't taken them up to this point, but, um, you know, we're getting closer to the time where it's it's kind of time to, for me to make a decision and, you know, I'm taking everything into consideration, you know, looking at all my different options and just kind of waiting it out. Right now is a waiting game with the G League specifically.
0: Where is the your favorite place that you've played at? Not Italy. Oh, really? Okay. I was Italy. thinking, you don't have um, to say, like, the organization per se, but place Italy seems like it would be pretty fun.
1: Oh, my goodness. In Italy, where I where I was, I was right outside of Florence, um, and the mountains were beautiful, and they were right outside my house every day. Uh, every time I would drive to practice, I would see them on my way there. The Italian people were, you know, great people. They loved me. They loved my teammates and everything. They were very welcoming. They were very, you know, when they know that you're an American and you don't speak their language, you know, they try to help you a little bit as they, you know, they'll break down their speech a little bit and stuff like that. And it was just, oh man, I, I really enjoyed my time in Italy.
0: How many languages do you know? Maybe just a little bit of, but you know.
1: Um. So obviously English. And then you have, I knew a little bit of French. I knew a little bit of Italian. Um, in Cyprus, they speak Greek, and I rem- I know some <laughs> words now, but not too many, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I would say about, about four languages. Oh, and I had a teammate that was Serbian, and he would teach me some words as well, so I know a little bit of Serbian as well.
0: Yeah, that's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah.
0: And <laughs> you mentioned your family a few times. Who has been the most influential person just in your life in general?
1: Oh, man. It's, it's hard to pick one, but I would, I would definitely have to say um, my dad, my dad, definitely. He's, you know, he was a former athlete and a valedictorian at his high school. Um, So he understood how to balance sports and academics and, you know, just seeing how hard he worked from day one that I, obviously that I've known him and he's just every day doing something to make himself better. And um, it's one of those things that you, you start to see as you get older, you start to see more of why your dad did things before, even though when you were a kid, you didn't understand at all and you were upset. But now I understand and I'm, you know, just patiently waiting for my opportunity to start that with a family of my own.
0: I really appreciate the time talking to me. It's been awesome kind of catching up on your storyline, what you've been doing after college, after I got to see you play. And I just wish you the best of luck going forward.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it so much.
0: Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you don't ever miss an episode of ACC Stars, Where Are They Now?